Welcome to JMPS. You're here today because you want to learn, you want to be inspired, and you want to feel empowered. What better way to do so than getting first-hand insights from professionals who once sat in your seats and stood in your shoes. Today's guest is a Concordia alum who completed his undergrad in political science. Afterwards, he did a master's in public policy at Columbia University, and a few years later did an advanced management program at Harvard Business School. After completing his studies, he landed a job at Concordia University, where he worked his way up to be a VP Services and would oversee $500 million worth of construction programs. He dealt with financial services, risk management, insurance, IT, and much more. Also, at a period in his career, he was the Concordia's interim president. After working at Concordia, he got the chance to work at McGill University as VP Finance and Admin, where he was responsible for facilities management and for overseeing 9 million square feet offices, classrooms, and laboratory spaces. Currently, he's a Senior Vice President of Property Management at Candorel, where I actually had the pleasure of completing my first co-op internship. Despite his very successful career, he takes the time to give back to society. He's been involved with many charitable initiatives, some of which include Mon the Montreal Neurological Advisory Board, Le Portage, Fondation L'Hôpital Marie-Claire, and he's the director on the board of the Case Populaire des Jardins Canadiens Italiens. So please, without any further ado, I present to you Michael Dugrappa. Thank you very much. Hey Michael, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. So I mean, despite having completed your degree in political science, you began working in Concordia University and uh, you've held a lot of finance related roles. Was it difficult to be in such a position without a commerce background? Well, uh, I always seemed to find myself in jobs for which I wasn't necessarily properly trained. Oh. Uh, I, I went from political science into a role that would normally be filled by people with an architectural or engineering background, but I was lucky enough to have been given the opportunity. My first job was really as an assistant to the president of the university uh, many years ago, and at the time the university was uh, undertaking a construction program, and so that gave me the opportunity to get into the facilities management, real estate side of things. So I learned. I learned along the way, and along the way you pick up skills, skills that maybe you have a base already that you picked up in school or that you don't have, you know, you, you just learn from scratch. And so by the time I got to the finance positions that you talked about, you know, particularly at McGill where I was VP Finance and Administration, I had gone through many years uh, learning on the job, uh, learning about budgets, learning about financial control, learning about management and leadership. And so by the time I got to those roles, I wasn't doing the actual accounting, I wasn't doing the actual, um, you know, financial analysis, if you will. There were teams of very competent and qualified individuals that were doing that. I was providing the senior leadership mm. in that. So, uh, you know, would it have been helpful uh, for me to have a commerce background? Probably, but I had a background in public policy and administration as well, and I think that was a good training for some of the kinds of challenges that I've had to deal with in my career. Mm, that's awesome. And uh, you know, also you've been involved in real estate projects at Concordia, at McGill, and even now at Canduel. Uh, you know, most people believe that real estate is one of the best investments you could ever make in your life. From your perspective, how true is that? Well, I mean, the, the projects that I was involved with at Concordia and, and McGill those were institutional projects, those were not projects that people invested in other than the government invested in it, they put our money towards those projects, 
donors invested in those because they felt that it would meet some other end. But certainly in the private sector, there's you know the notion of uh, return on equity, the mm -hmm. return on investment. Uh, personally, I've always liked real estate. I think it's one of those things that you can actually touch. Uh, it's it's something that you get great utility from in addition to it being an investment so if you buy a house you live in it you know you you, you live your life there and as well over time uh, you know history has shown that the values tend to go up right. they tend to go up faster in some markets and at some times than they do at other times but uh, I believe in it as a, as a wonderful investment and as I said, you got to live somewhere, so yeah. better to, you know, invest in the place in, that you're living in, and hopefully reap a, a reward down the road when you when you decide to sell it. Yeah, absolutely. On the same topic, nowadays there's a controversy whether one should rent or buy. From your opinion, what do you think? If you if you have the financial means to, what should you do? Rent or buy? Well, again, it depends. I, I don't know that I'd call it a controversy. Certainly it is a, a decision, an important decision that someone has to make, like, you know, buying or leasing a car mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, saving money or spending it. It's, it's, it. It depends on what your particular circumstance is. I mean, if I could go back 30 years and buy real estate in downtown Toronto or Vancouver, you know, I'd be extremely wealthy today, but you don't have that hindsight. But at the time, I couldn't afford. At the time, I couldn't afford my own house or a condo. So if I were to live, you know, away from home, I would have probably rent because I didn't have a choice. Um, and renting, you know, meant that I was not building equity up in the in, in where I was living. But that was the financial, you know, that was the limit of my financial capacity at the time. Right. When I had a chance to buy a house, yes, I did. One struggles sometimes to, you know, make the payments and all. But hopefully, over time, as I say, you build up equity in in, in your home, and and you 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 reap the capital gain once you once you dispose of it. I mean, I've always believed in ownership, mm -hmm. but the way some markets are right now, some people are not going to be able to buy. Yeah. I mean, you look at downtown Toronto or Vancouver right now, and yeah. you know, it would be especially a young student coming out of school, first job, first five years, you know, unless they, you know, tremendously successful or have the support of, of family, uh, it'll it's be hard, hard to buy. It's hard, yeah. Today I was reading this article from the Huffington Post and they were saying that the Canada's tradition of homeownership is at risk. People are not really buying houses anymore and they're shifting more to like condominiums because I guess it's so expensive. Where do you see the real estate market going in the next five to ten years? Well, markets are plural. Markets are not the same across. I mean, you see some trends in Canada. There were trends that maybe, you know, in Europe hit a long time ago or in the States. Uh, real estate is becoming more expensive. The cost of home ownership is, is more expensive. And it's not just the cost of the real estate, it's, it's taxes, it's, it's mm -hmm. all of the other associated right. fees. Um, and I find that uh, the size of homes is getting smaller. I mean, yeah. you know, we at Candorel were building condominiums at uh, Tour des Canadiens uh, that were as uh, small as, you know, 500 square feet 
or less. And in Toronto, they're even smaller than that. And I believe that in San Francisco, the city has authorized the construction of condominiums of as little as 250 square feet. Now, I couldn't live in something like that, but maybe the generation of millennials now who prefer to live, you know, in a downtown urban setting and work close to where they live and play, you know, that's a compromise that they're willing to make. The, yeah. the, the, the dream as I was growing up was having, you know, a large home, mm -hmm. green grass, <laughs> and, uh, you know, in yeah. the suburbs, and, yeah. and, that's, and that's different now. But it depends on what a person wants. In a city like Toronto, you know, renting may be a more realistic objective for a lot of people because, so you know, if you just put down the five or 20% you know, on a million dollar condo, uh, which is, you know, less than a thousand mm -hmm. square feet, um, that's a lot of money. That's a lot more than, the down payment is a lot more than people used to buy, to spend to buy an entire house, um, a good sized house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a tradition, but things are changing. And there are cities like uh, Paris and, and London, where, you know, the tradition is more one of, uh, renting and that's because of the expensive you know real estate and Toronto and Vancouver I certainly see as becoming more a city of renters mm -hmm. um, and I don't know Montreal you know you can probably find uh, things that are more reasonable in comparison but um, we may face that situation as well younger people or people who are just starting out who don't have the means may find that leasing is much more uh, acceptable to them yeah. or uh, achievable for them than, than is home ownership right now. Not everyone wants the white picket fence and, no. the, and the large home in no. the suburbs. And the green grass. And the green grass, <laughs> no. Perfect. I mean, if you were to give a piece of advice to a university student who aspires to work in the real estate industry, what would that be? Um, you know, it's, it's a great... It's a great industry. I've been lucky enough that most of what I've done in my career has involved buildings, mm -hmm. whether at universities or now at Canderell. Um, I love buildings because, as I said, they're things that you, you can touch, you can see, they're architecturally very interesting. Um, it's a great field. Um, I mean, work hard, get, get as much experience in doing anything at first. I mean, I started out as a receptionist. My first job at Concordia University was as a receptionist um, mm -hmm. because I needed the money to pay for graduate school. And yet that experience, you know, helped me in terms of my relationship with people. Before that, actually, I used to unload trucks at a warehouse, um, you know, and, and I realized that it made me appreciate the value of my education and, you know, some of the things that I did later in life. But, but it, it gives you also, I think, a humility um, in dealing with other people and to be respectful that everyone's contributions are important and there's no shortcut to success. Work hard, hard, hard and, you know, eventually the rewards will come and yeah. sometimes when you least expect it. And I think there's a satisfaction, a self-personal satisfaction for, you know, working hard and, and uh, you know, feeling that whatever you accomplish in the end is your own. Is your own. That no one handed it to you, that yeah. you didn't work. It would have been nice if someone had handed it to me, sure, but sure. Uh, no, I mean, you, you have to work hard. And, you know, and the other thing is, 
What also is changing demographically and because of the pace of technology is we are into an era of continuous and lifelong learning. Yes. So even though you graduate tomorrow, you know, you should expect to go back into a classroom or other kind of setting where you're learning. Maybe not to do another degree, maybe to do a master's mm -hmm. or a PhD or your CFA or your CF CPA and all. But the idea that that we need to continually upgrade our skills yeah. in order to deal with the changes that are coming. Have to be students for life. Students for life. And the one thing that I would say Concordia taught me because of the demographic makeup of the student body is it is a microcosm of the world. Mm -hmm. It was a mini United Nations in a way. <laughs> and learning to deal with people from different backgrounds, um, uh, different national origins, uh, you know, is, is one of the greatest things that you can get out of your education because that's the reality you will face yeah. in the workforce. 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of GMPS. Stay tuned for so much more.